Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, August 23rd, 2012. Today we are reading from the big book, Bill's Story, page 11. At the bottom of the page is where we're starting today. The reference number for yesterday, which was Wednesday, August 22nd, is 2886. That's 2886. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I would now like to ask Ann W. Ann S. I'm sorry, Ann S. to please read the 12 steps. Hi, good morning. My name is Ann. I am a compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God if we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Pass. Thank you so much, Anne. And now, Hoodie, would you read the 12 traditions, please? Hi, Janice. Good morning. Um, this is Hoodie, compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions of, of OA. Of, okay, of OA. Overeat Anonymous, number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop overeating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in that matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the, to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever not professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, 
Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you very much. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we are in Bill's story and we resume our study of the big book on page 11, the bottom of that page with the paragraph that starts, I saw my friend. So today I would like to ask Rick to start us off. Rick, please. Good morning. My name is Rick. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I saw that my friend was much more than inwardly reorganized. He was on a different footing. His roots grasped a new soil. Despite the living example of my friend, there remained in me the vestiges of my old prejudice. The word God still aroused a certain antipathy. When the thought was expressed that there might be a God personal to me, this feeling was intensified. I didn't like the idea. I could go for such conceptions as creative intelligence, universal mind, or spirit of nature, but I resisted the thought of a czar of the heavens, however loving this sway might be. I have since talked with scores of men who felt the same way. Well, in that first little paragraph, Bill is referring back to what he saw in Ebby, uh, you know, the glow in his eyes and the the, uh, the light the light in his eyes, the glow in his skin. And then he goes on to start talking about his own feeling. Despite the living example of his friend, well, he's seeing this, this uh, friend walk in the room who has been transformed. He has solved his drinking problem. But yet Bill still had his own doubts, his doubts about God, his doubts about re- religion. Um, his old prejudice was still there. The word God still aroused antipathy. He was uncertain. He was, he was in the beginning of step two. He had not come to believe yet that a power greater than himself could restore him to sanity. And it reminds me that this is a process and it takes going through all 12 steps to see what power we can obtain by working the steps. So Bill right now, he's not sure if he's going to be able to get a hold of what he sees in his friend, Eddie. And with that, I'll pass. Janice, we don't hear you. Can you hear me now, Leah? Indeed. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. He was on a different footing. His roots grasped new soil. 
So what is that? You know, he wasn't just sober. You know, we, we're reading Bill's story. He's gotten sober. He was high on the goose. He fears sobered him a bit. He had been sober before, but this was different. His roots grasped new soil. And this reminds me of there's a solution on page 25. It says, the great fact is just this and nothing else, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, towards our fellows, and towards God's universe. You know, I had a lot of deep experiences. You know, getting abstinent was an experience. Turning my food over to a sponsor, going to OA was an experience. But what we were looking for is a deep and effective experience. I still kept going back to the food because I still was relying on human power. You know, step 12 says, having had a spiritual experience as the result of the steps. It doesn't say having had a spiritual experience as the result of abstinence. You know, and that's what he's seeing in, in Eddie. He's seeing he's on a different footing. His roots have grasped new soil. And that new soil is God. You know, what is the goal? What is the aim of this program? It is to get back in touch with God. It's to get all the crap that we have put between us and God so we can have that conscious contact. And once we have that, we're going to be abstinent because we are now going to be connected to a higher power that loves us as much as we love him, and we're not going to want to abuse ourselves and hurt ourselves with food and with our character defects and with all the little plans and designs that we've had. So that's what, you know, being recovered means to me. My roots are now grafting a new soil, which is my higher power. And peace and my higher power are the most important thing in my life today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Press star one to unmute. Well, I'll comment on this paragraph then. My name is Janice. I am a compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. I saw that my friend was more than inwardly reorganized. You know, Bill had been trying at this point to stop and found he could not. You know, he was trying to stop. So he had been using all of his own human resources, all of his own intellect and his self-determination and his own ambition and everything that had been driving him up to this point. But all he got out of it was more anxiety, more depressed thinking, and more drinking, and more drinking. And I don't know about you, but I've been in that place where all my human resources failed me And I saw someone in whom the problem had been solved. And that's what Bill was seeing in front of him was Ebby, someone who was on a different footing, someone whose roots seemed to grasp a new soil. You know, and right there, a living person right there in front of him was telling him how that had happened. And how that had happened was with a spiritual connection, with a new spiritual footing, a new spiritual root grasping the soil. But Bill had a whole lot of mixed emotions about that. That brought up in him all kinds of things. You know, he didn't like the feeling. He didn't like the idea that he might have to surrender everything to this higher power. And he began to think about, you know, I could go for such conceptions as creative intelligence, he Hi, good morning. This is Melanie. It looks like we lost Janice there for a minute, and uh, she should be back on. Oh, it looks like she's back on again. So just hang tight with us while we get her back on the phone. Janice, are you there? Janice, you're cutting up a bit. Leah, are you there? Thank you. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Thank you. 
Okay, my name is Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Good morning, everybody. Despite the living example of my friend, there remained in me the vestiges of my old prejudice. And vestiges means traces, relics of my old prejudice. You know, Bill is uh, reflecting here. This is hindsight, you know. Uh, he has some some ideas, some attitudes. It says the word God still aroused a certain antipathy. Antipathy means uh, a strong feeling of dislike, of hostility, of opposition. But the bottom line is he is cornered. He's cornered but what, by what we know is alcoholism. He is cornered by alcoholism. He, uh, you know, is either going to continue to crawl to the gates of death and or insanity, or he is going to have to cast aside those old ideas and those old prejudices and those old attitudes and be open enough to be governed by new ideas, new attitudes new emotions, and that's exactly what the program of recovery is all about. That is exactly what the program of recovery is all about. The program of recovery, these steps take us on a spiritual journey, took Bill on a spiritual journey where these huge emotional displacements and rearrangements could occur and where Bill's old ideas and vestiges and emotions, which were once the guiding forces of his life, were suddenly cast to one side, and Bill was able, through that process, to have a completely new set of conceptions and motivations begin to dominate him. You know, this is step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Certainly Bill's behavior, Bill's alcoholic life was insane. Because despite the pain, despite his suffering, despite the loss of jobs and the threat of divorce and delirium tremens and threats of uh, being institutionalized, he continued to pick up that first drink. We would call that insane. So thank God, you know, after learning about powerlessness, here comes step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. That is what Bill is contemplating right now. Um, and thank God for that. And this is uh, all I've got to say on that. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? I'm back, Leah. I pass the baton to you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Miss Leah. Thank you. I seem to be having some de- technical difficulties on my end. Sorry about that, everybody. Um, I'd like to just finish a little bit about what I was saying earlier, if you all don't mind. You know, I... I I was reassured to read that last sentence in this paragraph where Bill says, I have since talked with scores of men this idea rendered Janice, we're still unable to hear you. You're breaking up and cutting in and out. Leah, do you want to take over? Thank you, Mel. Thank you. Okay, so we will move on to the next reader, please. Katie. I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater. My friend suggested what then seemed a novel idea. He said, why don't you choose your own conception of God? That statement hit me hard. It melted the icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow I had lived and shivered many years. I stood in the sunlight at last. Well, this is... um, this is step two. This is um, coming to believe that a power greater than yourself can you, can restore you to sanity, and it's uh, it's our own understanding of God. We don't have to choose what uh, someone else believes God to be. And for myself, I had to 
to fire my own conception of God because I had asked God to help me so many times and I felt like God had failed me. Um, so I had to turn, you know, in the beginning it was, it was adopting what other people seem to believe and adopting their, um, their belief and their belief helped my unbelief. And so we're just seeing here that um, everything that, you know, the icy intellectual mountain, um, that to me just shows that, you know, he, he was counting more on his own intellect really than on God. And his intellect had gotten him absolutely nowhere. And I think that's what I had to realize and uh, believe when I came into these rooms, that everything that I had believed about myself and about this program and about God had to be smashed. I had to let go and believe that something else could help me and to believe in the people who were one step ahead of me um, and just trust, which is the surrender process. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? Star one to unmute. Yes, this is Sarah. Can I share? Of course. Go ahead. Good morning. This is Sarah, Compulsible Reader. Um, it melted the icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow I had lived and shivered many years. Um, I stood in the sunlight at last. The... You know, we're seeing Bill's process, his process in coming to believe in something that lived in his head and he wasn't, you know, and pushed aside. It melted the icy intellectual mountain. It was a belief that lived in his head and it was cold and disconnected from him. And he's going through a process that's going to move his belief in, in a power greater than himself, than him and his um, abilities of leadership and his, all his talents and, and, and himself in his own power. He's going to learn how to set that aside and move from that cold intellectual conception of God and move that into his heart, into the warmth and the healing power of a relationship with God that lives in your heart. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sarah. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Lois, uh, Massachusetts. May I share? Sure, Lois. Go ahead. This this sentence, this very, very important sentence that um, his friend Abby presented to him, why don't you choose your own higher power, was a major, as, as we can see, was the major turning point that, that was um, the beginning of, of Bill beginning to believe. And, and for me, uh, I, I kind of visualized it. It was kind of like, um, it was kind of like God or his higher power, uh, my higher power, had come down from the walls and the stained glass, and he became real to me. And that was how I was able to do it. It was I was always trying to picture that kind of a higher power, other people's, and it was all an intellectual thing. And it, it really was very, very shallow for me. And, and with this situation, with choosing my own higher power, I was able to personalize it and to believe in a you know a, a human. I had I had a human relationship with with this higher power, and for me that was a turning point as well. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? Good morning, Leia. This is Margaret from South Jersey. May I share? Of course, Margaret. Go ahead. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Um, I, when I read this sentence and read this paragraph and the paragraph before, it really almost brings me to tears of what a wonderful friend Abby was. It, always, it almost reminds me of um, Dr. Silkworth, where he was willing to believe in something that Bill was going through, even though everything he probably 
was taught in uh, you know in school didn't didn't match up. And here, you know, um, Evie didn't insist that he do things his way. He didn't insist that Bill do he, things his way. That he would suggest that why don't you choose your own conception of God? I've always just in wonderment about that, of, of what a wonderful friend he was. And the other sentence I wanted to go back to, which was in the paragraph before, was he was on a different footing, his roots grass and new soil. And again, this, this meeting has really, really shown us how Bill knew Abby. You know, they were friends from school age, and he really, really knew him in and out and could see that something was so, so different in him. And then again, to have him say to Bill, why don't you choose your own conception of God? To me, that is just such a miracle, such a such a humility that uh, Abby had that allowed Bill to walk through that door. And um, we're just so lucky to, uh, to sh- you know, to, to hear this, to hear the story, to that Bill put this in, into words and on paper that to share it with us. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. Anyone else? This is Leah. I'd like to comment on this as well. My friend suggested that what then seemed a novel idea, he said, why don't you choose your own conception of God? Yes, we are lucky, Margaret. You know, uh, I always am filled with gratitude uh, you know, that this was Ebby's response. Um, because, you know, as there are numerous examples of divine intervention, you know, so that AA could be conceived, what if that wasn't Ebby's response? You know, what if Ebby uh, forced Bill to uh, believe something that he just couldn't wrap his brain around at the time? But that was not what happened. Uh, divine intervention here, you know, had Ebby respond, why don't you choose your own conception of God? And this is certainly something that the big book reiterates. Um, You know, on page 46 in the big book, it makes it clear once again. It says, we found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice, which is what Bill was discussing, lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results. We began to get results. Even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. So uh, what the big book is stating here in this story is that this is all-inclusive, never exclusive. It takes us from a religious viewpoint to a spiritual one. This is a spiritual program. You know, in terms of your conception, it is your choice what that conception is. As long as it's not you, it can't be you. The power cannot come from you. That's clear with Bill's story. Bill's intellect, Bill's knowledge, Bill's brilliancy, his determination, his uh, charismatic personality. You know, he was highly motivated. He was highly accomplished in many ways. But despite all that, that was not enough to power to conquer the obsession of the mind in him. So it couldn't be Bill. It had to be a power greater than him. But there is certainly a spirit of accommodation that we're seeing here, a spirit of accommodation. And with that, I pass. Would anyone else like to comment on these paragraphs? This is Amy. Amy, go ahead. Good morning. My name is Amy. I am a compulsive overeater. Yes, I too am going to refer to this chapter on page, uh, this page 46 in the chapter to we agnostics. I mean, this whole spiritual concept of talking about is difficult, was difficult for me as well, firmly agnostic when I walked into my first overeaters anonymous meeting. You know, the God of my understanding at that point was some universal Santa Claus that they didn't give me what I wanted. Well, then to heck with you. But it says here on the bottom of page 46, much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact with him. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, 
a spirit of the universe understanding the totality of things, we began to be possessed with a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. We found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding. To those who earnestly seek, it is open, we believe, to all men. Well, to me, what a relief as well. But the thing here is it's saying, okay, willing to believe and being open to do something. It's very clear that Evie presented to Bill not only a belief in a power greater than himself, but the idea of a simple program of action as well. So I can't tell you how many times prior to program, I would say, God, save me from, from binging. You know, help me this time, God, doing nothing on my own, truly wanting to be struck abstinent. Four years struggling in no way, saying, okay, God, well, please, God, and not taking any kind of action steps at all. You know, the saying in the rooms is don't ask God to guide you unless you're willing to walk. We have to be willing to walk once we believe and we're willing, even if it's only a small conception of God, even if it's not for me, I couldn't even swallow the conception of God. I had to make it the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. I had to make it those who had recovered. I didn't make them gods, but I had to believe that something else out there was greater than me. As Leah said, it had to be something that wasn't me. I remember my sponsor saying to me, I don't care if it's you, Jesus, Buddha, or the universal vibes of a tree, as long as you ain't it. And I could grasp that, and I could be willing with that, and I could be open because I knew that this disease was killing me. You know, John Barleycorn and Sarah Lee were my best advocate. I knew I was cornered as well. And I had to be willing. And I was at that point. And you can hear Bill, even though he's struggling to swallow this concept of God, he is willing to say, okay, I will, I will be willing to do this. I will do this because I know that if I don't, I will not be able to stop drinking. And here is a man who stands before me who drank like I did and is saying, look, I got religion here. But I know these paths, these steps, these way of my, this way that I have learned, because I have believed and been open to, will work for you as well as it has worked for me. And the story will continue to unfold. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Anyone else like to comment? Okay, then we will move on with Esther, please. Thank you. Good morning, this is Esther, compulsive overeater. It was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. I saw that growth could start from that point. Upon a foundation of complete willingness, I might build what I saw in my friend. Would I have it? Of course I would. Thus I was, convinc- was I convinced that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. At long last, I saw, I felt, I believed. Scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. A new world came into view. So, um, good morning. My name is Esther. I'm a compulsive overeater. In that first paragraph, we see that that first couple of sentences are italicized. And that's um, significant. It means it's something important. It means it's a basic idea here. And this idea that all I had to do was to believe in a power greater myself um, and that nothing more was required of me to make my beginning tells me that I don't need to be a theology expert or a religious expert to, to take this, to make this conclusion, to bring a, a higher power into my life. All I need to do is to be willing to believe that there's a power greater than me out there. And this is just a foundation, he writes here, upon which I might build, meaning this relationship is going to develop as those of us who've been through the process have seen that the relationship with our higher power develops, becomes um, deeper, a little bit more sophisticated. But to start, all I need is the willingness to believe in a power greater than myself. And to me, that was comforting to know that I didn't have to spend a lot of time developing a, you know, an, an idea of a higher power. All I needed to do was to be willing, and this was the foundation. And then from there, I just moved forward and upward. And with that, I passed. Thank you, Esther. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Good morning, it's Deb. Leah, this is Janice. Deb and then Janice, please. 
Good morning, A Vision for You. Good morning, good morning, Leah and Janice. Um, my name is Deb. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Oh, my word. I just love this part. Okay, so willingness. I, I have to piggyback on what we've been talking about um, on page 36, but on to 47. And we agnostics. Okay. We needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? As soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he is on his way. It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon the simple cornerstone, a wonderful, effective spiritual structure can be built Talk about hope. Talk about, you know, that's it. That That's just the beginning. That's all you need is just the willingness. And I think it's so awesome because God sees that willingness. Your higher power will see that willingness. And he will reveal to you, the puzzle piece at a time, um, who exactly he is. And so I just wanted to bring that bit out, um, and I'll pass with that. Thank you, Deb. Janice, please. Thank you, Leah. Thank you. You know, I'm so grateful for this particular place in the book because it was exactly what I needed. It was exactly what I needed. I didn't know it at the time, but boy, it was exactly what I needed. You know, it was only a matter of being willing to believe, being willing to believe, and growth could start there. And Bill W. says that. Upon a foundation of complete willingness, I might build what I saw in my friend. You know, the growth could start from that point. And I spent my entire life either running towards that first compulsive bite or running away from that first compulsive bite. And here was where the growth could start. I had to learn to grow away from the food. I had to learn to build what was going to be there and readily available for me through the practice of the 12 steps. And that's what Bill is talking about here, I believe, is that point of beginning, that point of beginning where I was no longer trying to run the whole show, where I could see that lack of power had always been my dilemma. And here was going to be the source of that power, a new power source, a new power source. And I didn't have to depend on the wonders of modern technology and I didn't have to depend on anything outside of myself that it was within me, this place, that would grow. Where I could learn to live on a whole new footing with roots that grasp a new soil, growing in a new way. You know, that's what I saw here in, in this part of Bill's story, that it could be available for me as well. You know, and that statement hit me hard. It hit Bill hard, but it hit me hard too. You know, I had lived and shivered in my own small place of the world, but now a new worldview was open to me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Christy. Christy, go ahead. Good morning, everyone. This is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I just, I just love this. I love this book, you know, and the, these passages, they resonate with me as though they were written for me. As, as desperate as I was when I came into the rooms of OA, and, you know, you would have thought that I was pretty desperate. I mean, when I first darkened the doors of OA in 1994, I, I weighed 340 pounds. I was absolutely insane, and I was miserable, miserable beyond belief. And... Um, you know, I spent the first few years in OA kind of spinning around and what my, you know, concept of abstinence was. You know, that's what I spun around in. And uh, certainly I um, spun around with my concept of what a higher power was as well. You know, and, uh, you know, I, I suffer from diseased thinking. My biggest obstacle, my biggest obstacle to recovery is my mind. 
my biggest obstacle is my mind. I mean, you know, as as desperate as I was, as desperate as I was, I was also defiant. You know, I was defi- as defiant as I was desperate. And nobody said, Christy, you have to believe that a power greater than yourselves can restore you to say you have to believe that. And not only that, you've got to call that person or that entity or that being God. You've got to call it, you know, God, capital G-O-D, God. No one said that to me. And it says, you know, this paragraph right here, you know, it's italicized and it just says it's only a matter of being willing to believe. Christy, are you willing to believe? You know, are you willing to believe that you don't have the answer? That you don't have the answer. You don't have the answers. You don't, you know, you've got a disease that wants you dead and it will settle for you being miserable. You've got a disease that wants you dead, but it will settle for you being miserable. Um, I knew that. I knew that much. That much I knew. And no one said you have to believe in a power greater than yourself. You know, are you willing to believe that? Are you willing to concede? Are you willing to concede, Christy, that you cannot get yourself well? That you can't think your way out of this nightmare that you're in? And um, that is exactly the kind of language that I could hear, you know, again, that that could kind of crack through, crack through that defiance, crack through that defiance and say, Christy, are you willing? Not you must, you have to. Now, I can use that language. You know, I can use that language for myself, but no one else said that to me. No one else said that to me. And, you know, when I got to the point, when I got to the point where, you know, my defiance, was just a little bit, just a little bit reduced, you know, by my desperation that I could actually listen to what people were saying, that I asked for help, and then I listened to what they said when they offered, when they extended their hand, that I reached back out and I said, take my hand, I want your help, I want to stop, I want to be saved, I want to be out of this misery and this pain that I'm in, Um, you know, this was how things were presented to me. Are you willing to believe? Yes, I am. I'll do anything. I will do anything. Please help me. You know, and I don't know what that looks like for you, but that's what it looked like for me, that I no longer had to spin around by myself and try to figure this out. People just said, are you willing to believe that you can't help yourself? Yes, I am. Great. Come with us. You know, I just, uh, I'm just so grateful. You know, there's no, you know, there's, there's room in this program, you know, for people to believe whatever it is they want to believe. And, and that just, that works for me. That works for me. This wasn't a religious program. It was spiritual. I could wrap my brain around that. I could wrap my brain around that. I fit in. I could fit in. And uh, I'm so grateful for that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Christy. Anyone else like to comment? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Leia. Good morning, everyone. It's Kim again. Thus, I was convinced that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. You know, that's what it is. These step one and step two are conclusion steps. You know, I concluded in step one that I am a compulsive overeater. And what does that mean? It means I have the allergy of the body. It means I have the obsession of the mind. You know, it took eight pages in Bill's story for him to become convinced that he was powerless over alcohol, become convinced that there wasn't one more little, you know, reservation that he could squeeze out, that he could, that he could figure out, that he could make it work his way. And once he knew that, he's now open to what else is out there. If, if lack of power is my dilemma, where am I going to go? And Ebby's showing him, well, there's a power greater than yourself. So I have to come to that conclusion. I have to be convinced that there's a higher power out there that is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. You know, and I think so many times we go to step three thinking, well, I'll turn my life and my will over to God. Until we know we're powerless, until I'm convinced that there's a God out there that is concerned with me, why in the world would I turn my life and will over to a power, at least of my childhood, He's out to get me. So that's why it says here, you know, that the foundation is willingness. And in order to build, in order to build, we have to start from the beginning. You know, it says here, we want him enough. We want him enough. What did I want? I wanted the fat gone. I wanted to keep on eating. I wanted him to take away the stuff that was painful. And I wanted to be able to do what I wanted to do. 
You know, and I've heard it said so many times, this program isn't for people that need it. It's not even people for people that want it. It's for people that do it. So we, this is the process. I have to be convinced I am a compulsive overeater or concluded. I have to be able to conclude that there, there has to be a power greater than myself that can help me. And upon that foundation, I can go forward with the rest of the steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else? My name is Leah. I'd like to comment on this part. Scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. You know, Bill, as we've been saying, he's he's been beaten to a pulp by alcoholism. There is no doubt about that. He has suffered. Um, and Ebby, you know, has presented this uh, concept of God restoring him to sanity. Scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. I mean... You know, the program of recovery is to open our mind. We certainly can't stay sober. Bill could not stay sober on his willpower. He couldn't stay sober on his intellect. He couldn't stay sober on his self-knowledge because the obsession of the mind was stronger than any of that. There's only one thing stronger than Bill's obsession of his mind, and that's he who made it. And that's true for me, too. You know, only God could remove the obsession of my mind because a sick mind can't heal a sick mind. Only God could do that. So when it says here, scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes, pride is leader of the pack. I was the creator of my own pain. You know, the the bottle of booze didn't catapult itself off the counter and down Bill's gullet. He He made the decision to succumb to invite in the disease, just like I was a creator of my own pain. No one was doing that to me, and yet I continued, as Bill did, to worship my thinking mind and my ego. You know, we need a new mind. Bill needed a new mind, a spirit-guided mind, as intellectual, as brilliant as Bill was. The intellectual mind cannot heal the obsession of the mind. Only a spirit-guided mind can do that. That's why we say there's not a spiritual part of the program. The entire program is spiritual. The entire program is spiritual. You know, Bill was, uh, you know, standing on his two feet. He was running his own show. He was ruling his own destiny. He never turned to God for help, and he got the same result from, from God, you know, that the atheist gets, which is nothing. Because he didn't turn to God. But when you're cornered, when you're beaten into a state of reasonableness, when John Barleycorn is the greatest persuader, well then, scales of pride, meaning self-centered existence, me, myself, and I, we know best. We know best. Scales of pride under those conditions, pain, misery, despair, hopelessness. You know, the big book talks about the four horsemen, terror, fear, bewilderment, and frustration. Then and only then, scales of pride and prejudice fell from his eyes, and he was willing to believe. Again, step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Being willing to believe is the state of mind we must have before we can begin. Belief is an awesome force, and believing is a choice. It's a choice. Being willing to believe is a choice. It's a place to begin, even without convictions, even without fully defining or comprehending that power. It's a place to begin. I think the greatest difficulty we have with believing is that we want something with more certainty to start with. But the big book says that's not necessary. It's necessary just to be willing to believe in a power greater than myself. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? Okay, then we'll move forward, please, with Deb. Good morning again, Leah. Good morning, Vision, for you. My name is Deb. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. The real significance of my experience in the cathedral burst upon me for a brief moment I had needed and wanted God. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. But soon the sense of his presence 
had been blotted out by the worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. And so I had been ever since how blind I had been. I'm going to stop there um, because there's a lot of meat to the story right in this one small paragraph. Um, For a brief moment I had and wanted God. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. So, again, it just takes a very, very small amount of willingness, and God's going to come. But soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly within myself. You know, I can totally identify with this. Um, God is in the process of renewing our minds in this program. For so long we've been propelled with our own thinking, which got us into the mess that we are in, and, and the result has been, hello, I am a compulsive overeater. Um, but the cool thing about it is God is in that process, and it takes time, and it takes our willingness And so it just totally reminds me of, um, you know, page 66 where it says, it is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. To the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile, but with the alcoholic whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave, sorry. We found that it is fatal, for when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns, and we drink again. And with us, to drink is to die. So, you know, we begin with a small willingness. And for me, in the beginning, it was so hard because I kept forgetting that I needed to call on the God of my understanding. And I forgot that I needed to step out of isolation and call somebody in the program. I forgot to, um, you know, open the big book and read and journal and look at those feelings surrounding whatever clamors were coming my way. But I, I soon realized working with a sponsor, it's like you don't beat yourself up about it. It's, it's a process again, you know, and God will continue to renew that mind of yours. And it's just, again, so hopeful um, to just step out of that that point of isolation and just cry out to God and just say, I need you. And he will come and save you in that moment, whether it's a phone call for somebody else, whether it's, you know, an awesome passage within this beautiful book that we're given in this program of recovery. It's going to happen. All we need to do is just trust and know that God's going to show up for us. And it, again, it's just it's just founded on that small amount of willingness. He's going to show up, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Deb. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Janice. Janice, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. The real significance of my experience in the cathedral burst upon me. You know, Bill's referring back to the very beginning of his story, where he was a young soldier landing in England, facing the war, and he had visited Winchester Cathedral. And something had happened to him that day when he visited the cathedral. He found himself much moved, much moved, aware of the presence of God there, aware of the presence of God there. And he tells us that the real significance burst upon him, remembering that day, It burst upon him. The fact that he was aware and in conscious contact with that higher power that day, and it had moved him. It had moved him because he had felt something there. But he wasn't ready then. It was an ominous warning that he failed to heed. He wasn't ready then. And the worldly clamors, and mostly those within himself, he says, mostly those within himself, his pride, his self-determination, his self-will, took over once again. But now he was back at that place and he realized how blind he had been to the beauty of what happened to him in that moment and it was available for him right here, right now in his story. And did he want it? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. 
He had been blind, but now he could see. Now he could see. He was seeing things in a new way. Already, he was seeing things in a new way. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sarah. Can I share? Of course. But but soon the, the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. You know, these these paragraphs, his whole process speaks so loudly to me. Unbelievable. How life just... Why didn't I have a relationship with God the way I do now, the way that this program has opened up, is because I let... Life just was so much easier to go to the snack cabinet. It was so much easier to be busy. I have to... I have to eat, I have to, I have to do, I was so busy being busy. And I think so much, you know, especially in, in today's world, I think even more than in bills, it's so easy to get to let life distract you and to be focused on the pride and the prejudices, building myself up, tearing other people down, the resentments, eating and, you know, numbing myself out, anesthesia with through whatever form of, you know, anesthetic, you know, and whatever, um, looking for that sense of ease and comfort through a bakery box and a cellophane bag. Yes, thank you. Um, and and looking for for comfort through physical pleasure, for that pleasure that comes only with that first bite and only, and, and, then needing it and having to have more and more and more and and the distractions of the busyness of life and not taking the time that's what's so beautiful it's more than just the willingness to the believe it's the willingness to stop all the craziness of everything else and all the distractions and being willing to take the time to even look at those beliefs to even look at those experiences, to even look at what is real in you, in me. I had to look at what was real in me. Where do my beliefs really live? And are they completely and totally self-centered? And it was only through these steps, only through these steps that I was able to really take the yogurt off my glasses and, and look and let the scales of pride and prejudice fall from my eyes and see the world from a new view. And thank God, thank God that that Bill was open and willing to to even look at that and to take the time to to really look at his beliefs and being willing to believe in a power greater than himself. And and I think now, for, you know, for the newcomer who's listening on this meeting, you know, just because life can be so busy and it can be very distracting, but to take the time, taking the time to even listen to this meeting and making it a priority, making the program a priority and being willing to listen, not, you know, we... we we talk so much about talking to God. I talk to God, but being willing to listen to where God can live in your life and to give you that new set of glasses with which to see is such a huge foundation in in my recovery and and can be in yours. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah, and thank you to everyone who has shared this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Rick, could you take that over, please? Thank you. We're on page 164. Rick, are you available? Katie, are you available? Yes. All right. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. 
Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.